This is Theron, and welcome to another episode of Michigan Community History. This week, we will, we will be talking about the history of the village of Romeo. So let's learn some history. Before I start the podcast, make sure you rate and review the show on Apple. Please do. I will read the reviews on the podcast, good or bad. Um, This is so I can grow the podcast and get more listeners and maybe someday create a company out of this. But yeah, it be really cool if I could make money off of my podcast because I have so many listeners to to the uh, show and I would have more sponsors to the podcast too so you won't be listening to the same anchor sponsorship every time but yeah and if you did uh, I appreciate you already thank you so let's start the podcast We, we start this podcast with the Chippewa Indian Native Americans, sorry, not Indians, Chippewa Native Americans uh, living here before the settlers came from Canada in 1821. So this used to be a, a Native, a Chippewa village where they would come in the winter and they would settle and they would, they would uh, live there. And in the summer, they would be off and traveling around Michigan trying to catch buffalo or buffalo didn't live here, but trying to catch wildlife and trying to survive. So that's that's where that's who lived here before the settlers came here. And these Chippewa Indians um, were obviously pushed off the pushed off the their land and put into a reservation. Let's see where they were put into. They were pushed to the to the um, north, so they would be the Sault Saint Murray tribe. So the very top of the Upper Peninsula is where they were pushed. So the largest federally recognized tribe in Michigan and that is where that they were pushed into so that would be yep so that would be where they ended up um at least the settler came from a different place other than New York it was getting really tired of just saying um these settlers came from New York but the number of people living in Michigan with ancestors that ancestors who migrated from New York in the 1800s must be a lot, since since almost every podcast has about at least one settler from New York. Um, I wish that the state had more diversity from other states in the early 1800s, but like I tell my students that you get what you get and you don't make a fuss usually ha- usually works in this case it did Michigan became a state because of all the people who migrated from New York and the New England areas and the in the mid-Atlantic states so the first settler that moved to Romeo from Canada in 1821 
is a person named Jer- Jeremiah Allen. A year later, in 1822, another person moved here, and his name is, I'm going to try and say this properly, but I don't know, it's maybe Ashley Bailey, um, but it's moved here with his wife and cousin, and he came from Connecticut, um, but he came to New York on the first ever steamboat to navigate the Great Lakes. This is because once a ship enters the Great Lakes, it is hard for that ship to leave the Great Lakes just because of Canada and their small little rivers that that um that you need to get that feed into the Great Lakes from the ocean. So that's why it's hard. Um Ash, Ashley Bailey will be a um very important Named owner here in in Romeo, as as you will see, people will buy land from him in order to build downtown Romeo, because he built this log cabin in, in what is known in what is now the center of the village. So he chose the best spot to build a log cabin, even though he didn't know that that it was the best spot at the time. At the end of 1822, a family called the Hoaxie family joined Allen and Bailey. A member of, a, of the Hoaxie family built the second building in downtown Romeo next to the log cabin. And this was a tavern where they had like alcohol, they would share news, they would gossip, just like any bar would do now. But they only had the few few people that were there then. Um, sadly, the tavern burned down in 1848. And at this time, Romeo was known as the Hoaxie Settlement, probably because of two reasons. One was because of how much land the Hoaxie family owned, or because the number of people exceeded the amount of members that the Allen and Bain Bailey family had that lived there at at that time. By the end of the decade, another person comes comes to um um Hoxie Hoxie settlement, and his name is Nathaniel T. Taylor. He would buy a portion of Hoxie's farm. And this is the area east of Main Street. From he would buy this from Bailey to build a store. He bought the land for twelve dollars, which is around three hundred and forty-six dollars. Yes, you heard me. I said three hundred and forty-six dollars in today's money. Imagine if you could buy land for that much. In today's, in, in today, that would be less than 0.1 of an acre that you would have to buy. Not even 0.1, it, it's, it's smaller than 0.1 of an acre. That would be $347. You can't even build anything in, in the plot, in the land that you buy for $347 right now. But, 
the building is still there, but it is a brick commercial block that replaced it. They tore down the old like wooden building and they would put a brick building there. And the reason would come evident in a few minutes. After this, business booms for for Hopsey settlement. Between 1830 and 1837, they would have three dry goods and grocery stores, a tannery, a shoe shop, a foundry, a a copper shop, a carpenter shop, a shoe factory, and a hoop skirt factory. So, so, uh, just remember that in the early 1800s, 1863 time frame, um, they they did not import anything that they 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 um had. They had to make everything that they um they owned. So that's why that they had all like the carpenter shop, the copper shop, a foundry, a shoe shop, a hoop skirt factory for the women, and maybe the girls. I don't know if, if girls also wear hoop skirts. Hoop skirts are weird, um, but yeah, a tannery. When I uh, saw the word tannery, I thought it is where people got tan. I thought, I thought that they were advanced enough so people get tanned and stuff like that. But it is not for people. It is for animal hides or skins uh, to get tan, which was popular to wear at the time was animal skin. The the most popular was probably probably like beaver fur, and they would make it into hats. They would make it into coats. They would make it into shoes. You would wear beaver shoes, and that would be something that they would wear. Okay, so in eighteen thirty, we have another. In 1830, uh, Taylor, Leonard, and Bailey would hire a surveyor named John B. Hollister to survey land and establish property lines, and this is what we call platting. Major uh, Leonard was a major who fought in the War of 1812. And he bought another part of the Hoxie farm, this time west of Main Street. Most people that lived in Hoxie settlement migrated from New England and mid-Atlantic states. We also have immigrants, thank God, from different countries that came from Canada, like the first settler of the area, Ireland, England, and Scotland. They gained wealth by farming, land speculation, or lumbering, but merchandising seemed to offer the best opportunities. So, like retail merchandising. Um, these men that migrated from these places had strong appreciation for education and opened the first school in Romeo in 1830. By spring of 1837, so a decade plus after the founding of the 
after the first settler came, the village had about 200 inhabitants, 34 uh, houses, seven barns, five shops, five stores, and one church. So that was a lot to have back then, I think, but it's, it's probably not a lot. And Romeo is still a village today. So the reason that Hoxie uh, settlement grew was because of the rich soil and downtown that would serve as the retail, sell, retail center where, where the farmers would sell their produce. This would attract different industries. One of the industries was education. And in 1835, the Romeo Academy was founded. And by 1840, this Romeo Academy would be a branch of the University of Michigan. So like uh, the University of Michigan in Flint or Dearborn, like those, this, this was the early contender of that. But because the University of Michigan did not have state funding, the academy closed. By 1836, Romeo had 60 buildings in downtown. In 1838, Hoxie Settlement was renamed Romeo. The name was given by Laura Taylor, the wife of Nathaniel Taylor, and this was because Bailey, Taylor, and Larner failed to choose a name for the village, which is kind of sad if you can't think of a name. And the reason for this name, this is the most common reason that, that was given when I was looking this up. It was short. It was musical. It was classical. And this is the most important thing I think was was why. It was a, a common name for town, village, city, whatever at that time. I still think it is the most uncommon name, Romeo. But yeah, the first significant endeavor that the village took up was the establishment of a cemetery. They would buy about 1.5 acres from a, from a man named Jonas Jones Christman and established the Romeo Cemetery in August of 1842. The first burial in this cemetery was Martha, Martha Giddings, the wife of Edwin, who died on, Martha died on June 16, 1841, at the age of 23, two years younger than what I am now. A fire breaks out in 1856 and destroys all of downtown and the buildings there. After the fire, the buildings were demolished. At least some of the buildings were and actually, no, all the buildings were demolished and they were built with brick. So that would never happen again. So during the 1800s, Romeo would get a hotel and a bank. The American Hotel was built in the 1860s and went through many owners and many name changes. Sadly, it was demolished in 1860, a century after it was built. In 1860, the first national bank was formed, and today it is known as Romeo Savings Bank. 
Romeo is known for their Peach Festival, which happens every year during Labor Day weekend, which is sometimes lands on my birthday. And this goes back to, to 1931. And it includes a car show, a floral parade, and arts and crafts, and whatever other activities you can think of. Because of the many examples of 19th century architecture still in the village of Romeo, Michigan and the federal government listed Romeo as a historic district in 1970. On February 14th, which is Valentine's Day, the village offers a unique dual postmark with the unincorporated town of Juliet, Georgia. This tradition began in 1994 and is a nod to the very popular Shakespeare play, Romeo and Juliet. And that is how I'm going to end this podcast, is with that statement. So, yep. So, yeah, I hope you enjoyed this episode, as always, on the history of Romeo. You can listen to this wherever podcasts are found. Follow us on Twitter at MIHiddenHistory. I will promise I will post more. Do not forget to rate and review the show on Apple. And this week's quote is, Be a good person in real life, not just social media, please. Thank you for listening. See you next week, and let's make Michigan history great.